It's bodybuilding.com. You know it. We don't we need to go over this every week because every week I come on here, I I I log in, I verify that I'm a real person and not a bot. And I come to tell you that bodybuilding.com is it's like it is bodybuilding.com is to fitness what what uh hmm it's it's it is to fitness what barnesandnoble.com is to books because it sells fitness products Listen, I'm just coming up with this off the top of my head, and if, you know what, bodybuilding.com, if you wanted something that actually did a decent job at selling your product, you should have given me some copy to read, because, to be quite honest, this is episode, like, 22 of season 2 or something, episode 21 or something, and at a certain point, you just run out of things to say about bodybuilding.com. Not because they're boring, but because they're remarkable. Click the link in the bio, and you can learn more about the one-stop shop for all things fitness. I think I explained the rules of this episode in the actual episode, but just in case, I will specify that in 2009, the Oscars changed their rules to allow for more than five Best Picture nominees because Dark Knight was perceived to be snubbed the year before so now that black panther has finally reaped the benefits of that world change as a superhero movie got nominated for best picture for the first time in black panther which is great um my sister and i nicole Mello, we went back in the oscars that have happened since that rule change and we talked about our favorite movies that were nominated for best picture since then the ones that may or may not have been there if it wasn't for this rule change. So, I'm not a, I'm not the biggest Dark Knight fan, but without it, who knows where we'd be. Thank you, Dark Knight. Um, so yeah, uh, the Oscars are this Sunday, and I'm going to have my predictions going up on Sir Sharonin Deserves an Oscar, the classic notepad. It'll be linked in the episode description. Sir Sharonin not nominated. I don't know. We gotta get her that Oscar, everybody. We gotta do it. Uh, her movie is twice nominated, though, for makeup, hairstyling, and costume design. Uh, yeah, we'll get you that, we'll get you that Oscar, Saoirse. Uh, Oscars this Sunday, Roma, A Star is Born, Black Panther, those are the three I'm okay with winning Best Picture, those were the three good ones. Um, my best friend loves Bohemian Rhapsody, so if that wins, I'll be happy as well, because it would make her happy, and that's good to me. Um... Yeah, it's kind of like a wide-open Oscar race this year. It started out... People thought A Star is Born was going to be like a, like a juggernaut. Like it was going to sweep everything. It kind of faded. Uh, and even Roma, which is like... Everyone considers it like the masterpiece of the year. Even that isn't... It's like... It's probably the favorite. But it's not like... Dominating the competition or anything. Like It's still open to movies like The Favorite. And... Uh, Green Book is in the mix, unfortunately. Um, I don't know about Vice. Uh, Black Klansman would w- be the winner if history was any indicator. And I'm just going to say it right now. Don't rule out Black Panther. 
I'm just saying. There's no front runner. There's no the front runner. And preferential ballots, cultural phenomenon, no clear movie that everyone wants to rally behind, backlash to some of the other movies. I'm just saying. Don't rule it out. And my sister now, she's now part of the... She's now, this is her third time on the episodes. Last time we talked about things on the podcast was Black Panther. Third time on the podcast for her. Last time was we talked about Black Panther. And we're talking about Black Panther a little bit again. Come full circle after last year. It's been a year. God. He really st- stepped into the spotlight. So my sister and my mom are now the only ones in the... Who have been on it three times. We'll get every, we'll get other people up to that number. I got a, a couple people in the works. Dustin should be there soon. Ryan Foley. Love them. Uh, yeah, Oscars. Here we go. Academy Awards. Penultimate episode of season two. One more next week. And that's going to be a good one. So enjoy this one. Go Black Panther. Welcome, everyone, to this very special Academy Award special episode of Goodbye, Mellowbrook Road. We have with me, when this episode airs, it will have been over a year since she was last on the podcast talking about Black Panther. And... Black Panther is going to come up again. We have my sister, Nicole Mello. Thank you for being here. Oh, I love being here. I can't believe it's been over a year. Time flies, you know. It sure does. I feel like I just recorded that. And uh, we're doing it because we're doing top five movies nominated for Best Picture since 2009, which I felt like was a good topic for these Oscars because... In 2009, The Dark Knight was notoriously snubbed for Best Picture, so it prompted a rule change to include up to 10 nominees in Best Picture. And we're finally seeing the first real evidence that that rule change resulted in what they what the desired outcome was, as Black Panther is now nominated for Best Picture a year after we discussed our favorite moments from it. Hell yeah. We have... It- yes. I was just going to say, like, it's earned it. It's, I mean, a lot of movies in between this and The Dark Knight have earned it, but Black Panther also has definitely earned this spot. Like, there's definitely some been some, some pretty good superhero movies in that interim, but I don't, I like, like, it's hard to argue, like, when people, like, because I think I probably in, preferred Infinity War to Black Panther, but it's hard to argue that, like, when an, an entire group of voters looks at those two movies, there's not a chance in hell they're ever going to vote for Infinity War for Best Picture. No, absolutely not. Just the concept of Thanos just kicks that movie right out of the running. It is, it, it is complete nonsense to someone who doesn't know what's going on. No, it's the build-up and the whole universe and the movie itself are all phenomenal and intense and massive undertakings, but if you just are given a DVD of Infinity War without context, you're not going to vote for that. But if you pare it down, you get that Black Panther, and that's what that's what's accessible to the to yeah. the to the editors, to the costume designers, to everyone who's involved in the Academy. Even I'm sure Isabel Huppert gave it her nomination. I'm sure there's not a chance in hell that she did not. She was like, "Oh, ça sent the Black Panther." I hope she's listening. She actually, I, she does listen to the podcast. She tweets at me all the time about how terrible it is. Oh, that's unfortunate. But she still listens. She's the worst troll. Oh, well, that's that's tragic. Speaking of trolls, it is it, is, it was never nominated for best picture. 
think tragically, because I genuinely enjoyed Trolls, as we have watched it with our nieces a number of times. Think about it, like, in that year, Hacksaw Ridge got an Oscar nomination, but Trolls walked away empty-handed. I think, of the two, genuinely, Trolls has the more lasting legacy. But Hacksaw Ridge has Vince Vaughn. I didn't even remember Hacksaw Ridge exists. Did Trolls have Vince Vaughn? No, and I won't lie to you. I think it might be better for it. Vince Vaughn, is, does it count as slander if he cannot defend himself? I, I think it's only slander if it's a lie. And he's, he's probably the most powerful man in Hollywood. I'd, I'd say so. He's definitely got the means to have me killed. He's just like, he walks into a studio and he's like, I want to make this movie. And they say yes, because when you get Vince Vaughn, it's, that's a guaranteed box office success. He walked in and said, I want to make, uh, and he looked and he saw a hacksaw. And then he looked out the window and saw a ridge. And he's just that. And they said, yes, sir, Mr. Vaughn, sir. Speaking of Vince Vaughn, my number five selection huh. for movies is going to be Moneyball, because yeah. Vince Vaughn is not in this movie. However, we were talking about money, and it's like a compound word, like hacksaw. And money? Moneyball. Oh, I thought you meant the word of money. It's, it's Monet. It's Monet Ball. Janelle Monet. She, she was in Hidden Figures, nominated for Best Picture, and is not on my list. Did you know Dad really likes Janelle Monet? Does he? Like, more than I thought he did. Did he like the Instagram story of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez listening to Janelle Monet while cooking chicken capris or whatever the fuck? We did not discuss it, you'd have to ask, but I don't think he would dislike it. You guys should do, like, a, a guest episode where you two talk about your favorite Janelle Monet songs. <laughs> I would enjoy that very much. But you chose Moneyball. Yeah, Moneyball. Um, it's I don't really like sports movies all that much. I think a lot of them are very cliche. But Moneyball is just awesome, and it it's just like it's not your average sports movie because there's obviously like a lot more that goes into it. It's not really about the baseball as much as it is about the front office and Billy Bean's relationship with his child. And I don't know, just it's just I just you know if you love baseball, you're gonna love Moneyball. And Brad Pitt's great in it. Jonah Hill, first real dramatic turn for him. Uh, the the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman is there. A Chris, a young Chris Pratt is in it. It's got everything you need. It's a really great movie. And every time I think of Moneyball, I think, "Hi, I'm Jonah Hill from Moneyball." It's that's arguably its legacy. <laughs> I'd say it's one of it, just truly the lasting legacy. It is the trolls of name, name like saying your own name, I guess. Yeah, that's, I mean, if anything could be the trolls of anything, I think it would be that exact moment. <laughs> I'm very right. As, as speaking of you being right, what is your number five? My number five is a ballsy move, because it's from this year, but I don't think it's going to win. Um, which oh is tragic. It is Black Klansman. Oh. I loved Black Klansman. I saw it at a very cool theater near my house, just added to the experience. Every second as it happened, I kept thinking, it can't get better than this. And then it kept getting better. I just 
I thought it was phenomenal. I'd say, like, honestly, Adam Driver earned his nomination. Like, and you know who else actually earned his nomination? Uh, well, would have had he got one was Tommy McGuire. Not Tommy McGuire, the other Tommy McGuire, Topher Grace. Classic. The other one. But Venom. Topher Grace plays um, the leader of the KKK, uh, my friend and yours, David Duke, in a phenomenal role. But, I mean, every part of Black Klansman was great. Also, John David Washington is very good. My, This is probably my new favorite Spike Lee movie. I thought it was phenomenal. Do you think... Like, it's n- it's not a shame that Roma is probably going to win. But it is yeah. a shame that Roma will take away the tense, the tension that could have come from the presenter going, Black? Yes, that's true. And then everyone's like... A good moment. Everyone's like, oh? Which one's it going to be? Like when it was um, Mark Rylance versus Mark Ruffalo. Mark... And, uh, but yeah, Black Klansman, um, I've never been a big Spike Lee guy. I mean, I've only seen He Got Game and Inside Man, so that's not really the, the so true, the one you've seen. that's not really the true Spike Lee experience, and, uh, Black Klansman, Black Klansman, almost, you can pronounce it, and, Black Klansman? Yeah, I, I remember, it was weird, because, like, it was, like, April, and there was, like, a news bit that, Topher Grace had been cast as David Duke. And then the movie came out in, like, August. I was like, it's, there must have been a miscommunication along the way. About that timeline just can't be correct. Yeah, it was, like, impossible. We have Black Klansman. That's a good pick. Um, really liked it. it. I think it has more of a shot than you... Th- I think it's, like, if you, like... There's, like, the favorite... Like, not not the movie the favorite, but there's, like, Roma is the favorite. Um, yeah, Green Book. Absolutely. Green Book is probably, like, the potential, like... Like the like the second choice that could happen, but I think if you have to pick a dark horse, I think it's Black Klansman. It's it's got a lot of industry support. I'm 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 rooting for it. I would love to see it win. I and I hope it does. And if it if it does win, then I'll knock up one of my honorable mentions into number five. Well, then we, we'd have to do, we'd have to revisit it. Um, People can think of, they can think it through instead. Yeah, just you can pick for yourself. They can do it itself. My number four selection is not quite Black Klansman, but it does have, let's see, it's got one, two, three, is it the three Ks? It's got five of the same letters as Black Klansman. Five um, of the same letters, is it A, K, 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 A? Akka? Akka? Is it Akka? <laughs> it's not Akka, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm so confused. It's Inglorious Bastards. Oh, hey. It was nominated the year after the rule change. Um, yeah. I think it's definitely my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I didn't even realize, but okay. we're, we're back at Brad Pitt territory already. Um, oh, so fast. I'd say we never even <laughs> left. We barely left. I think... I, I'm i probably remembering this wrong, but I thought he was a producer on Black Klansman as well. A producer? It, it's either that or Beautiful Boy. I have it up. He is not a producer. However, Jordan Peele is. Jordan Peele getting that money. Yeah, he's he's busy. He was not in Glorious Bastard. Um, but B.J. Novak was. Not the reason yeah. I picked it, though it does not hurt it. No, um, I can't imagine it takes away from its appeal. 
at the end of the movie when Brad Pitt says, I think this might just be my masterpiece. I think that's Tarantino saying, this might just be my masterpiece. And I think it is. In Glorious Bastards, pretty solid movie. One of my favorite war movies. And the way Brad Pitt says, Baron Gyrno is great. It's it's so great. It was. I think that was actually my cover photo on Facebook for a while. Is Goofy Brad Pitt? Yeah, is him going Bon Giorno, except it looked like the the DiGiorno logo. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it was phenomenal. I'll find it for you. Thank you, I'd appreciate that. Who doesn't love a movie where Hitler and Goebbels are murdered in a theater? By the bear Jew himself, who was supposed to be Adam Sandler. Really? Would have made the movie, I think, about 10% better than it already was. I like Eli Roth. But, like, the, the idea of Adam Sandler being the one who comes out of that tunnel is delightful to me. That is that is true, after all the build-up, to have Adam Sandler come out. And it's, uh, I think we're gonna get some goof, some goofy Brad Pitt this year in the new Tarantino, the, the Charles Manson one. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I think he'll be back as goofy. As, like, this kind of Brad Pitt role? Yeah, like the burn-after-reading, shot-through-the-head-in-a-closet Brad Pitt. I, I like that Brad Pitt. It's the best Brad Pitt, easily. Well, I welcome it. Who do you have? What, which movie is at your number four uh, slot? Well, uh, speaking of our, our friend Jordan Peele, my number four is Get Out. Oh. I I loved Get Out. I thought it was such a, such a sweet, like, kick back into the horror genre, which, of course, Dad would say the horror genre never, never went anywhere. It's always been here, but this is a phenomenal film. It, yeah. Just hits every note so well. Genuinely surprised me the first time I watched it, and in subsequent watchings, has more than enough suspense to earn it every single time. It's not just shock value, it's, all, it's just genuinely good writing and editing. Great performances. I, yeah, I really like it. It's true, yeah. Like, I'm not a big horror person, but that one was right on. That's one of my favorite, like, that 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 one and two other movies I might mention later, oh. like, formed, like, a, a, a sort of a triumvirate around the Oscars last year. Of course, neither of the, none of them won, but those three, I think, are going to be the ones that have the biggest legacy, and I think Get Out will have the biggest one of all. It's, like, almost like the horror movie of the decade. I, I think it's definitely just breathed life back into the industry. It's, and it's, it, it's kind of hearkening back to the, like the Hitchcock kind of horror, not just. And there's a place for like movies that are gory, you know. There's a place for the Friday the Thirteenth, but this is a, this is a. Psycho level, or this is like the first Halloween level. Like the tension earns every single moment of it. It's so good. It's true, yeah. Like, and now Jordan Peele has a new movie coming out this year. Everyone compared him to Hitchcock, and he's got a lot to live up to. And apparently, he actually sought advice out from M. Night Shyamalan to try to see how to avoid the sophomore slump. And really? It's a bold director to seek that out from. Yeah, very, very bold. <laughs> but, like, yeah, so we'll have to see if Get Out was the one-hit wonder, or if Peele is really the next visionary director that we have. He's also going to be doing um, Candyman, isn't he? The new Candyman? Is he? I believe so. Or he's producing, at least, if not directing. Uh, the old Black Klansman technique. Yes. As he has done in the past, and I imagine will do again. Surely he must have produced Keanu. 
Surely. There's no way he didn't. It's too bad. Like, at first, like, Keegan-Michael Key was, like, the famous one of the two, and Peel just completely took over. Yeah, in an unexpected way. Just kind of came up with that get-out, and here we are. And now Keegan-Michael Key is relegated to a hyena in the Lion King remake. He is also in that show that Mom and Dad watch. What is the name of that show? This could be anything. It's the show with the two girls, and they have the baby. Playing House. Ah, uh, that old... I think, that, I think that ended two years ago. The old classic that King and Michael King makes his money from. I'm so sorry. It is so irrelevant. He will be in Toy Story 4. Oh, you're right. Is He's a spoon? No, that's Tony Hale. Oh, I'm so sorry. I think they're the stuffed animals. Oh, is he the duck? I'm not sure which one's which. Yeah, I'm not sure. Sorry, I'm getting bogged down in the details of this. But speaking of Toy Story, my number three selection is Toy Story 3. three no at, way! Three at three. Perfect. It's, uh, I think this also, was this in the same year as Inglorious Bastards? I think it might have been. No. Yeah. I think Toy Story 3 was 2010 and Bastards was 2009, maybe? I don't know. But regardless, I've never been more involved in, an, in a four-year consideration Best Picture campaign than I was involved with Toy Story 3. You actually yeah. framed a poster for me of Buzz and Woody shaking hands, and it said, not since Midnight Cowboy. That was part, oh. of, the, that was part of the Oscar campaign. But yeah, Toy Story 3, like a perfect ending to that trilogy. It was beautiful, emotional. I, didn't, I was only 12 at the time, so I didn't really know why it got me so emotional. I was not fully formed in the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala yet. But, no, we weren't ready. But it's, like a, it's a Pixar masterwork, for sure. It came... Really just at the right time for for us as people. Because we were like, you know, Andy's getting ready for college. We had gotten older as, like, normal children do. We had grown up watching Toy Story, and now we were growing up and leaving things behind. And it just kind of hit real in that sweet spot right there. So on top of it being a phenomenal film, I think it really nailed me emotionally. Oh, definitely. Like, they knew exactly what they were doing with this story. Oh, absolutely. Just that, as as uh, Andy's leaving that lone, so long partner, just, who. That's, um, so, when I was at Disney, my first day of training was at um, a Frontierland wagon, and the language for that is you say, like, partner, and I would always say, like, howdy, partner, to the people who came up to me, and my trainer thought it was very funny. Shout out to Alexis, if you're listening to this, you're probably not. But Hi, Alexis. But Alexis, when I left, she like I, um, she sent me the uh, the gif of Woody saying "so long, partner," and oh. it's like this. It that's like that hits you emotionally in like eight different ways. Yeah, that's that's just whacking you from all sides. It was brutal. <laughs> no, it was so good. What do you have at your number three spot? My number three is a movie that made me cry in the bathtub, and that would be Lady Bird. Oh, boy. I loved Lady Bird very, very much. Um, I also think it's it spoke, as Toy Story 3 did, to something deep in me that I did not know that I could access, which is just the relationship, the relationships that, I don't know, young women or young teenage girls form with other people, especially their parents and their mother, and what reaching adulthood means and it was like who let 
who let them make this movie, who let them, like, access this part of a teenager and just put it on the screen to ruin me like this. It really, I think that was probably my favorite movie of last year, was Lady Bird. It was so good. It's very perfect. Just every part of it. I I truly watched it in the bathtub and then cried for about half an hour afterwards, and then I called Mom and told her I love her. (laughs) Well, that's what it's all about. You know, the Laurie Metcalf, Saoirse Ronan, who deserves an Oscar relationship. (laughs) Who deserves an Oscar, really? She does. And now they'll be reuniting Saoirse Ronan and Greta Gerwig for Little Women in December. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, that's going to be great. I've started, I actually am reading Little Women now to prepare myself. I've never read it before. Oh, are you enjoying it? It's pretty good so far. I'm invested. I like that book. I had one of those, like, uh, what's the word? Like, shorter versions of the books? The abridged. Yes, I had an abridged Little Women when we were kids. That and Black Beauty, which I enjoyed very much. But there's no abridging for Lady Bird because every minute of that movie is flawless. Truly, every minute of the movie is so good, and it's bringing in some real, uh, some real heavy hitters who haven't previously gotten a lot of space. I think this is where Tim- Timothy, Timothy Chalamet, Timothy <laughs> Chalamet really started appearing, is in this. Yeah, you got you got Chalamet, Ronan, Lucas Hedges is in it. Yeah, Lucas Hedges is in this. It's a it's a real murderer's row of the next generation. Yeah, and uh, I mean, um, what's her name? Beanie Feldstein is in it. True. Call back to Jonah Hill. Yeah, that's true. Right back to him. Well, that's a good pick, definitely. And I'll mention that a bit later as well. And my my number two selection is one of the my favorite musicals ever made. One of my favorite movies ever made. It's got to be La La Land. Uh, I was anticipating that. Because this was like the whole... There was La La Land versus Moonlight back in 2016, and there was, there was a little bit of Manchester by the Sea discussion, but it was kind of like, definitely definitely the third wheel in that yeah. in that race, and it that year it became like a, like a sports, it, became, it was like, it was like rooting for a sports team, I was like rooting for La La Land, and Moonlight is great, I gave, it, I gave Moonlight four out of five stars, it's a, it's a great movie, but you know, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very easily susceptible to the... The, to the joys of life, and one of those joys is Ryan Gosling tap dancing on a park bench, and it's not easy. It's not very hard to satisfy me, and that's one oh. of one of the ways to do it. La La Land is one of the movies I've rewatched the most in my life. It inspired me to learn how to play piano. Uh, a lot of love for the, that old beautiful chestnut. I was just saying to somebody today that like sometimes. A movie's objective quality when compared to another movie doesn't matter in the face of how much you enjoy that movie. Because it's your own personal enjoyment is what makes something good to you. Absolutely. Like, I, like Captain America, the first Avenger, arguably one of my all-time favorite Marvel movies, is like their lowest grossing movie ever. And it, it's arguably like low-key like the most important Marvel movie. Yeah, it's phenomenal. And, and I love it. And it's like mostly a World War II movie. That doesn't mean... It's not phenomenal, and I think that's kind of what you're you feel with you know La La Land versus Moonlight. Like objectively, like looking at Moonlight, like it's saying very important things, and it's doing a really good job saying them, and it's beautiful, and it's very well written, and everything's great. But then you watch La La Land, and you feel so warm. It's kind of like this year too. Like Roma, on every level, is like technically perfect, and every like like category, like hairstyling and production design and cinematography, is like perfect. 
But, like, man, I re- really love to see that Black Panther take that trophy. <laughs> I just... It, watching Black Panther just makes me so happy. It just makes me smile, the dumbest little smile, as I watch a man dressed as the Black Panther run around, jump on cars, attack people, have fun. That's what the Academy needs to realize, is that, like, I'm dumb. <laughs> oh, I'm simple. I'm stupid. I'll cry watching a man enter a dream realm and talk with his father. Like, I'm good. It's like, we can we can have the the worn down caretakers just as much as we can have a little vibranium cocktail. And we can have uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling tap dancing together in front of the in front of the Los Angeles skyline. It reminds me of like when that movie first debuted, I think Tom Hanks was at the festival that it debuted at and he just started talking about Lala and he's like, How great was that? Wasn't that <laughs> wonderful? And everyone's like, You have to promote your movie, Tom but, He's like, but it's so good. Speaking of so good, what is your number two movie? I'm sure it's a My great number, one. What? I'm sure it's a great one. It is. It is actually quite grand. Oh. It is the Grand Budapest Hotel. Of course. I love the Grand Budapest Hotel. For a while, I listed it as my all-time favorite movie. Ooh. Um, it has since gone down a couple, but as as we know, more movies have come out. But it is arguably still my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Everyone in it is phenomenal. Ray Fiennes is phenomenal. This is where we're um, we're seeing like Bill Murray, F. Murray Abraham, like Jeff Goldblum is in this. Willem Dafoe, it, like all the normal dudes, uh, Edward Norton, but everybody. Your, Jason your Schwartzman. Boy, Schwartzman. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you can think of somebody there in this movie, it's all the usual suspects, and they play it so well. Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan, yep, absolutely. I think Jude Law is in it. He is. Yeah, because he's the writer. Yes. It's such a good cast. Um, what's his name? Tony Tony Revolori as Zero. So good. It is a... Uh, yeah, I do think it's the best Wes Anderson movie. I feel like... It's his masterpiece, and especially, like, I was looking forward to Isle of Dogs last year, and was definitely a little bit let down by it, so I'm beginning to think that the Grand Budapest Hotel is going to be remembered as his magnum opus. Yeah, that was that was the peak. It's very, that one's very well done as well. I remember we actually saw that one in theaters. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. And I, whenever I uh, think of Wes Anderson movies now, I think of that thing you said where, like, kids leave action movies like punching and kicking like they're an action movie star but you leave a Wes Anderson movie and line yourself up in the middle of a mirror while you brush your teeth it's exactly true it's so true you just want to be quaint and perfect yeah and uh yeah that one is um it's also like how do you think do you think is it Ray Fiennes his best performance I I'd honestly say yes not Voldemort Voldemort, he's very good. He does a really <laughs> great job, and that's usually what I think of when I hear his name. But truly, the performance of a lifetime in Grand Budapest. But he doesn't in the Grand Budapest Hotel. He does not have the line, "Hey." That's true, and he doesn't awkwardly hug anybody. I feel like Tom Felton would be a good fit into a Wes Anderson movie. He probably would be. Ray Fine has actually done a lot of things that I really like. In Bruges. He did. Hail Caesar. What? Hail Caesar. Yes, he did Red Dragon, one of the Hannibal Lecter movies. He, perfect. He was in James Bond movies. Ooh. 
and Prince of Egypt and Lego Batman, arguably the best Batman movie. I would say we should do top five Lego movies, but alas, there have only been four. Ah, uh, another another lifetime. Well, it's oh geez, my computer went dark, but I moved the mouse and it's bright again, and we're safe. My number one movie does not have Ray Fiennes, does not have Brad Pitt, does not have Tom Hanks, does not have Emma Stone, but it does have Matt Damon, and oh. And he's stuck on Mars. He's. Hey, can I let you in on a secret? What is the secret? I also picked The Martian. Is it also your number one? It is also my number one. Oh, perfect. It is the best movie ever. What do you love about The Martian? What don't I love about The Martian? I loved The Martian so much that I immediately read the book, and I cried even though I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> it it's... is. It's, it's like... Um... I think some of the best movies are the ones that are just you can describe it in a sentence, like, yeah. like, um, and obviously there's obviously again there's gonna be exceptions to all of these, all of those rules. But like, The Martian is just guy gets stuck on Mars and then you're in right from that. That's all you need. Like Jurassic Park dinosaur theme park, you're in right immediately, or there's a shark loose on Fourth of July weekend. Here's the crazy thing. As you were saying Jurassic Park, I'm like, I should say one for Jaws. Because <laughs> Jurassic Park and Jaws are so intertwined. They're so good. But The Martian is just, I remember so good. in Florida when we got the call from Dad that TJ died. Uh, oh. We, I was just like, I was up with Dustin and then Dustin, had, he had to go somewhere. I don't remember where it was. But then I was just alone in the apartment and I was like, I don't know what else to do except watch The Martian right now. Because <laughs> that's the only thing that's like comfort brain food. It's true. The I actually wrote a paper on The Martian when in my capstone creative writing class when I was graduating. And I wrote this paper entirely on the theme of um, humanity pulling together as, like, one human race and, like, how that thread is kind of what keeps him going is, like, this concept that somebody has to be listening. And then his whole thing at the end where he's saying, you know, it doesn't matter what happens, people will pull together just to save one guy. Because that's what people do. It's so true. And, and it gets me every single time. I am a little choked up right now. Because it, it's especially true. You can see it on the internet. Like, it's just like these phenomenons happen overnight. Like, even like the one, like, in to a much lesser extent, Steven Hillenberg, creator of SpongeBob, dies. Everyone just is like, well, now he has to be a part of the halftime show. And everyone's like, like they get up and they go to work. It's and it like it actually like came to be like it wasn't sweet victory, but it was included. Yeah, they put it there. It's just like people, they can just join together and do such amazing things, and it's just this undying faith in humanity that just just permeates the Martian. I think it's for me for my money. It's the most rewatchable movie ever. Absolutely, I can watch this over and over and never get sick of it. What's your favorite scene? Oh, God. See, it's hard because I really love everyone in the world watching them catch him. Yeah. And he's, like, spinning off. And even though you know, like, logically he's going to be fine, but watching him spin off and everybody's waiting, and then they say, we got him, and everyone in the world loses their mind. That's so good. I remember when I saw it in theaters for the first time, and it kind of became, like, a little 
like a mini little box office phenomenon too. It was yeah. just because people really bought into the story and the marketing of it at all, and the like resurgence of Matt Damon. And I remember seeing that in theaters. It's like an, it's not like a, it's not necessarily like a kids movie. It's like, and it's not necessarily like a comedy either. It's it's like a drama. I think for the most part, even though it was nominated for best comedy at the Golden Globes, but I it's think like it is a drama. I'd say it is a drama, which made it like. I was like, there's a there's a real chance that this movie ends with him dead. Like I wouldn't like I wouldn't be surprised because it's an adult drama, and so I really I didn't know what was gonna happen when at the end I was like, this could go either way. It's true. There's a very real chance of losing him in this movie. That like they could do all of this, and the message could be like, you could do everything possible, and you can still lose. That could have been the message. Fortunately, it was not spoilers if you haven't seen The Martian, but you probably stopped listening to it by now if that's the case. Yeah, at this point. But yeah, I think the I think my favorite sequence probably has to be the Starman sequence. I love that. Oh, that's so valid. I remember that's it was because I felt like they were gonna do Life on Mars, and then they just really subverted it with the with an even better Bowie song. And that actually inspired me to make my own video while I was doing that digital film minor set to Starman. See, look at that, Ridley Scott. You're making waves. It was. It's just so good. The whole soundtrack is great. Uh, Waterloo, while he's um, preparing to return back. Absolutely. So good. I love when he's he's getting a little bit of confidence back, singing along, dancing along to Hot Stuff in the oh, so good. in the Rover. Yes. Oh, it's a great movie. Now I want to watch it again. Now, yeah. Now I absolutely want to watch it. For at this point, the thousandth time. Well, I'll mention some honorable mentions, and then let you say what you had. I had Lady Bird on mine. Oh, nice. And I also had the Grand Budapest Hotel. Nice. I also had Phantom Thread. Oh yeah, you like that one. So good. Um, yeah. Black Panther. Oh. Manchester by the Sea. Oh, of course. Room with Brie Larson yeah. and Black Swan. Oh, nice. I uh, I had a few honorable mentions. I had Toy Story 3 on there. Nice. I had The Shape of Water, which I forgot on my original list when I was doing things, and then I went back and realized that it didn't win. But in my memory, it had. Dad really liked that one. I really loved The Shape of Water. I really enjoyed it. Um, I also have Mad Max Fury Road, which I enjoyed. Lincoln. Lincoln. Which I saw near midnight for the first time with Uncle Mark and Steve. A good memory. It was it was a good time. Um, Black Panther. I have Arrival. Very good. Yeah, very good. Les Miserables. And I have The Favorite, because I'm not expecting it to win, but I did enjoy it very, very, very much, and I think it is technically phenomenal, and I would like to watch it again. So actually, I read an article today that was analyzing how split this whole Oscars race has been with Black Panther won the SAG. Uh, I think Roma cleaned up at the Directors Guild. Uh, yeah. Black Klansman, I think, did well with editing, nom- the editing branch. That doesn't surprise me. It's just been, like, Green Book uh, was a big um, Producers Guild winner. So it's, like, it's been all over the place. Like, nobody knows what's going to happen. And, but, like, a lot of people are pointing to it where, like, it could be decided by, like, the support that comes from the BAFTAs. And the the rumors right now are that the favorite is big at the BAFTAs. Really? And Rachel Weisz is, like, 
might be becoming a front runner for best supporting actress. She was truly so so good in that movie. Um, she was great, and Emma Stone was great. But I think r- that really my favorite was Olivia Coleman as Queen Anne. Olivia Coleman's great. I remember her from The Night Manager. I uh, I have just recently finished watching all of Peep Show. Oh yes, my professor told me to watch that, and we had to watch an episode for that class. It's hilarious. It's what very a- good. I like it. The fate. But the- I just watched her in that, so it was funny to watch her in something being very very serious as opposed to something like peep show and the favorite like i the same way with spike lee that i am with yorgos lanthimos where didn't like the lobster or the killing of the sacred deer so i like went into this with low expectations because i don't really like his movies and it wasn't like like it wasn't like a favorite of mine so to speak but it was definitely the best lanthimos movie i've seen yeah, I mean, of all the ones that he's made, I'd say that this is my favorite, too. So to speak. So to speak, if you will. There's so many puns will. to be made, and nobody's made them yet. I'm sure <laughs> that's, all there. I'm sure that's not true. Favorite with a U? I bet they already have their headlines, like, Black Panther, King of the Oscars, or The Favorite is The Favorite, and um, others that I can't think of at the top of my head. I'm sure you'll come up with them. You can put them in show notes. Bohemian Rhapsody, the queen of the Oscars. I genuinely keep forgetting about the existence of Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody, despite the fact that I love Rami Malek. It was not my favorite movie, but it made my friend Naomi very happy, and I think that justifies its existence on its own. Uh, all, all Brian Singer accusations removed. Yeah, removing Brian Singer from the equation, and like... The thing about Bohemian Rhapsody is that I, I wish it had done more and gone deeper, but that is no fault of Rami Malek's, who was the perfect Freddie Mercury. If you had to pick what you think is going to win Best Picture on this Sunday's, when this will be released, it'll be on Sunday's Oscars, what do you think it's going to be? Like, what I want to win or what I think will actually win? You should do both. Alright. So, what I... This is hard. I think Romo will win, and I think it's deserved. But if I was doing solely based on my my own opinions and, like, my thoughts and feelings, as we were saying, qual- objective quality different than rewatchability and my, my dumb brain liking things, um, then Black Klansman, I think, or Black Panther, either of those two. Very nice. I oh my god! I, as I'm like looking at the list, The Shape of Water did win last year. I thought it was three billboards that won last year. Was it Shape of Water? Yeah, it was Shape. Of, I, yeah, I remember that now because Guillermo del Toro. I, yeah, I did the same thing. I thought it was three billboards. I don't know why we both thought it was the same movie. Probably because that was like the favorite for so long, and then it just collapsed at the end. Yeah, I opened the list, and I'm like, "This is why I didn't include The Shape of Water. It did win." Well, but then, yeah, so Black Panther or Black Klansman, I would would be would take my vote yeah i'd agree i'd say roma was probably gonna win and black panther is what i would choose i just rewatched black panther like two days ago it is just so good it's on netflix you know every every voter in the academy should be watching it everyone can watch it now well thank you so much for being here oh well thank you for having me i was happy to do it